0: Chapter 10 of Miss Maitland, Private Secretary. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Holly Jensen. Miss Maitland, Private Secretary by Geraldine Bonner. Chapter 10 Molly's Story as soon as i had the notes of that phone message down i wrote a report for the whitney office just an outline and posted it myself in the village the answer with instructions came the following evening the next time miss maitland went into town i was to come with her in the concourse of the pennsylvania station i'd see o'malley the whitney's detective and it would be my business to point her out to him he was to follow her and i to come to the office and make my full report say nothing of what i'd heard to mrs janney that was tuesday thursday was miss maitland's holiday and right along she'd been going into town wednesday afternoon i heard her say she'd go in as usual on the eight forty five tipped off the office by phone and told mrs janney i'd need that day to make a report to mr whitney a business formality that had to be observed miss maitland and i went in together looking very sociable on the outside and talking about the weather the new stylin skirts how flat long island was and other such ladylike topics coming off the train i stuck to her like a burr was almost arm in arm going up the stairs and then in the concourse broke myself loose and faded away toward the newsstand right there leaning against the magazine end i'd seen a large fat sloppy-looking man with a tired panama hat back from his forehead and a masonic emblem on his watch chain o'malley was a first-class worker in his line and his appearance was worth rubies he had a small-town corner grocery look that would have fooled anyone unless they'd a sent for a sleuth like a dog for a bone as i edged up near him reaching out for a magazine he cast a cold disdainful glance at me like the rube that's wise to the dangers of the great city i dragged a magazine out from behind his back and whispered in the lavender dress and the white hat with the grapes round it and dreamy as if his thoughts were back with mother on the farm he heaved himself up from the stand and took the trail the chief that's my name for mr whitney and mr george were waiting for me in the old man's office gee it was great to be there again like times in the past when we'd meet together and thrash out the last findings of course the chief had to have his joke holding me by the shoulders and cocking his head to one side as he looked into my face my my molly but the country's put a bloom on you what a pity it is you're married or you might get one of those millionaires down there and I couldn't help answering fresh. He just sort of dares you to it. I won't say but what I might, chief, but it's poor sport. Seeing what they've got to choose from, it'd be a shame to take the money. Mr. George was impatient. He always gets bristly when things are moving and cut us off from our fooling with a sharp Come on, Molly, sit down and let's hear the whole of this. So I took up the white man's burden, told them all I'd seen and heard and picked up, ending off with the full notes of the phone talk then i laid the paper on the table and looked at them the chief was gazing thoughtfully at the floor and mr george's face was puckered with a frown like he'd eaten a persimmon it's the queerest thing i ever heard in my life he said chapman and that girl why it's impossible are you sure the man on the phone was chapman it must have been he spoke of meeting me in the woods and mr price is the only man i ever met there the chief looked up glowering at me from under his big eyebrows what's your opinion of this maitland woman well i don't think there's anything wrong about her. I mean i never get that impression from her general make-up but before i tapped that message i did get a hunch that she was sort of abstracted and shut away in herself she had lonesome habits, and she looked downhearted when she thought no one saw her. I'd size her up roughly as someone who wasn't easy in her mind. Have you ever heard anything of her having any sort of affair or friendship with Price? Not a hint of it. That's what made me sit up and take notice. Under everybody's eye the way they were, and yet not a soul suspecting anything. You're not as secret as that for nothing." while they were talking on the phone did you notice anything in their voices it certainly wasn't in the words that suggested tenderness or love no it was more as if they knew each other well he sounded as if he was trying to jolly her along keep up her spirits and she as if she was scared not at him but at what he might do they'd be careful said mr george a man and a woman who were involved in some dangerous scheme wouldn't coo at each other over the wire like two turtle doves love's hard to hide said the old man betrays itself in small ways and molly's got a fine trained ear well it caught no love there chief the only person at grasslands who's got that complaint is mrs price she's in love with mr ferguson mr george was very much surprised the deuce you say old dick fallen at last the chief gave a sort of sarcastic grunt ferguson can take care of himself he's not as big a fool as he looks or pretends to be now these extra holidays of miss maitland's you've spoken of how long has that been going on since april before that she never wanted time off and often spent her thursdays in the house at grasslands this summer she's gone into town every thursday and three times asked for extra days the last was july the eighth the day after the robbery humph muttered the old man i guess we'll know something about that when we hear from o'malley mr george slumped down in his chair with his hands thrust in his pockets his chin pressed on his collar said gloomily i confess i'm dazed it's perfectly possible that chapman who didn't like his wife should have fallen in love with the girl it's perfectly natural that they should have kept it dark but that he's joined her in a plan to steal mrs janney's jewels he shook his head staring in front of him i can't get the focus price wouldn't qualify for a sunday-school superintendent but i can't seem to see him as a gentleman burglar he was mad when he left i said he made a sort of scene what's that growled the old man looking up quick he got angry and threatened them i don't know just in what way because i've only caught it in bits and scraps but dixon heard him and told in the village where i picked up an echo of it he said they'd stolen his child sounds like him an ugly temper try and get exactly what he said if you can we talked on a while going back and forth over it like a lawnmower over grass then a knock on the door stopped us a boy put in his head and announced mr o'malley's outside and wants to see mr whitney mr george and i squared round in our chairs with our eyes glued on the doorway the chief slouched down comfortable with his shirt bosom bulging looked like a sleepy old bear but from under the jut of his eyebrows his glance shone as keen as a razor O'Malley entered hot and red his panama in his hand and that air about him I've seen before a suppressed triumph gleaming out through the cracks "well" says mr george curt and sharp "o'malley took a chair and mopped his forehead there's no mistake she's got something up her sleeve" she took the seventh avenue car and went downtown until she came to jefferson courthouse got out there went a few blocks into the greenwich village section and stopped at a house on a small sort of thoroughfare called gale street i think she let herself in with a key but i'm not sure the place is a shady looking rookery no porch or steps door opening right on the sidewalk three windows to each floor mansard roof about ten minutes after she went in a man came down the street walking quick hat low over his eyes it was mr chapman price mr george stirred and gave a mutter the old man stretching his hand to the cigar box at his elbow took out a large fat cigar and said price eh huh? go on i thought the lady'd used a key and i saw plain that he did the door opened and he went in i crossed over and looked at the bells there were nine of them all with names underneath except the top floor ones these the last three of the line had no names showing the top floor was vacant there was a drug store opposite and i went in took a soda and asked the clerk about the locality said i was looking for lodgings in that section i got him round to the house where i heard i might get a room cheap he said maybe i could being summer there'd be vacancies that the place was decent enough but he'd heard pretty poor and mean just as i got through talking to him and was leaving i saw the door across the street open and mr price come out he came quick on the slant and was among the folks on the sidewalk before you could notice it was the way a man acts when he doesn't want to be seen he walked off toward seventh avenue his head down keeping close to the houses i didn't wait for miss maitland thought i'd better come back here and report well said mr george i'm jiggered if i can make head or tail of it the chief took the cigar out of his mouth and addressed o'malley find out price's movements on the night of july seventh everything he did everywhere he went he turned to me and you want to remember not a hint of this gets to mrs janney she hates price and when her blood's up she's a red indian we don't want the family drawn in until we know something. End of chapter 10. Recording by Holly Jensen.